Today's episode is brought to you by Live Forever Golf. If you like living forever and you like golf, then you're going to love Live Forever Golf. Enter discount code LFG20 for 20% off your next order. Live Forever Golf for the player, not the game. But if you do put stuff out there, even if it's like, hey, I just cured cancer, some other side's going to be, oh, well, now all the doctors are going. Like, this is a weird tangent. But you're going to lose someone because people just want to argue. So Cam does it quietly, doesn't ask for anything. It's very good to his friends. And that's why I think that you start from 100 because you don't put it out there. You're not looking for, hey, look how hard I'm working. It's like, no, yeah, you're very secure inwardly. I don't need to prove anything to anyone. Welcome to another edition straight down the middle today we have a very very special guest the uh 2022 players champion the winner of the 150th open championship at st andrews and one of the sweetest guys i know mr cam smith let's give it up for cam <laughs> Golf clap. what an intro yeah thanks you're the best well, so let's get straight to it we don't have you for long time is money are you ready to kind of uh overtake Adam Scott as the number one sex symbol in Australia. <laughs> yeah, Scotty's a pretty hard one to beat. He's got a little gray though. He's, he's, he is. He's getting a little bit of a gut too right now. He's still pretty good looking. He's uh, early 40s, I think. He's declining a couple of percent a year. You're still increasing. Get the locks at the back. Okay, so it's slowing down a little for you this time of year. Give us a day in the life of Cam Smith right now. Yeah, I mean, we just... Uh, just finished in Australia, so uh, back here I had to do a couple of sponsor things um, early in the week. But yeah, tomorrow I'd just get up early, go fishing, come back, do some gym, probably have a fire at night with a few beers around it. It's, that's basically it this time of, time of year. Okay, mid-season, how much practicing are we doing? I'm not, uh, you know, Pricey would be the first one to tell you I'm not too much of a range rat. Yeah. I probably spend probably an hour on the range, probably an hour around the green. And then probably, you know, twice or three times a week, I'll go out there and play. I prefer to play. I think just getting in that kind of competition mode, whether it's playing with the boys or, you know, doing whatever it is. Yeah. I think just being competitive as much as you can is, is really important, even on the practice fairway as well. Yeah, that's. I would guess if you have one week off, nothing. Go to the tournament a day early, get your reps in. Two weeks off, week off, first week, second week into that routine. But I, I don't get there often, but it's pretty intense. If Cam's practicing, there's not much BS going on for right. that hour. He's not there to stand there and, like some of the other guys might mention names, just want to be out there and, and BS all day. Goes up there early. I would say pretty religious with your gym work. You don't miss your gym when you're supposed to be doing it. Hmm. So there's not much of like uh, quantity, but lots of quality and, and measured and, and disciplined with his team. So you do a lot of fishing, but are you doing any fishing when you're traveling on tour? No, I feel like when I'm away, I'm there to work. That's kind of my number one priority. I don't, you know, a week away is really quite boring for me, but I feel like it has to be. I have to be kind of in my own head and I have to be, you know, ready to go come Thursday or Friday and I'm really just, you know, hit the ground running. It's, you know, usually get in like a Monday, Monday afternoon, and it's it's quick to work. It's there's no BS, like Pricey said. It's, it's uh, trying to make myself uh, the best golfer I can, and and trying to win the tournament from Monday. Yeah, I don't think people would know that about you. Like you're a very casual person, especially off the course. But the weeks you're there, like the, we went fishing that one time in Hilton Head, and 
probably didn't work out great. It's like I'm I'm here for a reason. I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. We need catching big fish though. Yeah. Let's talk about the live for a second. You are like I said, you're one of the biggest sweethearts I know. Non confrontational person. Was it hard for you to go through that that decision? Just because I'm sure you knew you're gonna, you know, the light is on you. I mean, mm. your career is doing this. Yeah, it was definitely a big decision, but you know, I feel as though I made the right decision. I've played, you know, five or six events out there now, and the, yeah, the way I've seen it progress over those that short period of time is it's going in the right direction. The fans love it. I think there's a lot more for people to do out there. It's just it's a fun time. The way I would describe it is it's more like going to a sporting event than a golf tournament. I think people are out there genuinely to have a good time and to watch some good golf. Yeah, it's a really relaxed atmosphere and you can tell love how Miami they, was they, big. That's the vibe I get. Miami was big. It's more like the horse races back home, mate. Eh? Like it's there's entertaining going on. You're not there all day. It's packed. Like the races back home, the horse races are midday till five. You're there, you have a good time. There's a concert at the end. So you can see where the model came from. Probably one of the biggest things that I was scared about at the start was the shotgun start. Yeah. It works so good. I bet. I bet the caddies love it. (laughs) It works so good. We're off at the same time every day. Everyone's playing in the same conditions. For sure, it's a little bit of a, I guess, a bit of a shit show just before the round, getting guys out to their tees and stuff. But, you know, it's only 10 minutes. So, yeah, everyone's got the same routine. Everyone's on the range at the same time. There's music pumping. Who picks that music out? Are you getting any playlist options? We do get a few, like, uh, requests in every now and again, but it's not. You know, I've I've never heard my song come out, so <laughs> I don't know if there is, actually is a request list. <laughs> that person got born in the USA. <laughs> Who are you playing? Who are you playing if you get choice there? Better be some Michael Hutchins. I'd love to see the chats in there. Oh. It's like an Aussie band. Oh, you boys yeah. need to listen to it. That's what I want to ask you about. What music did you grow up on? My next door neighbors growing up used to have, it seemed like they used to have a party every weekend and they would play a lot of Led Zeppelin. I know the old boy used to listen to, you know, that type of music, ACDC. Your old man? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, legend. And, I mean, that was about it. It was just basically rock and roll my whole my whole life until I got to high school and, you know, started thinking I was cool listening to rap. And But I love that rock. Pricey introduced me to Crowded House and... Uh, Everywhere you go. Yes, deep cuts. Crowded House is New Zealand. Yeah, well, so that's one of the many things that uh, Australia claims. But yeah, Neil Finn, Tim Finn are Kiwis. Russell Crowe, Kiwi. Keith Urban, Kiwi. Keith Urban was born in New Zealand. He moved to Australia young. They can have God. I'm learning. They can have Keith Urban <laughs> for sure. Keith Urban's Steve's brother. <laughs> hey, so no NXS, no NXS, no Michael Hutchins. Dad used to love NXS. You too, Nirvana, all that stuff. I had a nice chat with you when we played golf one day at. I had a nice chat with your dad about NXS. Yeah. Yeah. He was killer. Yeah. I feel like I had a pretty good music upbringing. It's that era of music though was just so good as well. I feel like everything you listen to was good. So we get the American influence, the European influence, and then Australian rock is huge. Like, as you said, like NXS, ACDC, we have the best. As an American, I think Australia is the closest to America. Like culturally? Everything. Yes. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I think uh, we're both pretty multicultural. Countries. I think California. Food. California is very close to Australia, like Sydney. Like, our, our fast food is so much better than... What do you got over there? Nando's? We have like the same, like McDonald's, KFC. What else do we have? What do you call McDonald's over there? It's called some... Mac- 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 yeah. Just everything's shortened. But the KFC in Australia, 
It's fantastic. Kangaroo. Up for it. Yeah, it's fresh. Yeah. It's nice over here. Mm. Really? Kangaroo fried chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Only on weekends did they serve the kangaroo. All right. So back to live for a second. The team concept. Are you all in on that? Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be cool for you to go to battle with your buddies too. I mean, I know you and Leishman are tight and then you guys also have a unique relationship. It's like a family with Maddie and Sam out there too. They're both lifers on the bag for you guys going forward. So you have Matt Jones who makes the decision on who's on. Are you making those calls? Yeah. All right. Where can I, can I, can you adopt me? Start sit. <laughs> I'm swinging at it really good right now, bro. Do you got to be Australian? Can we do a, a walk on tryout like they do in college? <laughs> just the last spots is to you know, have a 20 person yeah. qualifier. Do you have anyone on your radar coming up or is it kind of? Yeah, there's a couple of young Aussies that are, um, that are pretty good. You know, uh, for me, I think the tour was a great, really awesome spot to be in. I don't want to make any decisions that will, uh, for those guys that might harm their career. So it's, uh, definitely up to them, but I'd love to see some more Aussies out there, you know, playing good golf. Can you do it like, can you rotate a four, a fourth man in there every week, like switch up the fourth guy or is it like season long? Yeah, it's a season long thing. Basically, the only time you can miss an event is if you hurt. Yeah. So you are a big fan of, of team golf. You won a couple of times on tour at, at Zurich, the Olympics. What do you think about that being more of a team event or do you like it as a uh, individual? Yeah, I think they could do so much with that. You know, uh, for us to... Um, you could do both in conjunction. Yeah, basically give up a week uh, right. where we're going to play for our country, which is amazing. But I feel like they they should do something with that. I, I feel like there can be a mixed thing in there. There can be a four ball. You know, it, it doesn't have to be four days as well. It could be eight yes. days. I'd go there for two weeks. If we had three shots at a medal, at a gold medal. You could have a, a, a two-man, four-man, two-day thing and then have a, a individual four-round thing, three-round thing. doesn't matter. But with the team stuff, I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough is when you're playing team golf, we've played a lot, like juniors I played a lot and you've played Zurich and that. It's a different set of nerves. I don't know if people that haven't experienced it can say, it's not a money nerves. You're not playing for money. It's more like- It's, I don't want this to fall on me nerves. Exactly. And what's with, with what I think is an under talked about thing with Liv, you got guys with a uh, two over par, their score's counting. Do you know how hard it is when- other guys are four under, five under, and you're two over, but the other guy's having a blowout or his wrist is sore or something, and you got to make that score count. That is a different set of nerves, and it's fun. Mm. I played with Billy one year in the Zurich. It's the most nervous I've ever been, and it was only because it was Billy, yeah. how intense he was. I could feel – I had, like, full-blown yips off the tee. I could feel yeah. him staring a hole in my back on every shot. I'm like, dude. With laser eyes. Yes. <sighs> yeah, the team stuff's awesome, you know, like for – it's the same kind of culture here, I think, when you're growing up. But, you know, for me and a lot of the other Aussies growing up, we played so much team sport. We played nice. cricket, rugby, soccer. Even team golf. We have, like, interstate series where the states play each other as a team. Yeah. But, and that stuff is just – it's fun. basically when you turn professional as a golfer, stuff goes out the window and it's just all about you, which is you – know, nice. it's, it's just not as fun. Yeah, I think – I don't know if you guys would remember, but – that event in Chicago that I ended up winning, I was like three, I had a three shot lead or something coming down the last and I had to make birdie. There's a whole bunch of, I remember pricey was, you were texting me what was going on, but it ended up, I had to make this like 12 footer for the team to get into third place. Yeah. And I felt like that meant a lot. Yeah. But if I got a three shot lead in a normal event, 
I'm just like lagging it up there. And I want to tap one in that's, you know, but the putt went in the back. It says a lot about you too, that it means that yeah, it situation does. means a lot to you. And how with the, now you're the, the owner or the, the leader of the captain. franchise captain, how have you enjoyed going back to, you would be described as a bit non-confrontational. So how have you enjoyed that part now that you've got to make some decisions? Yeah, it's definitely different. Something I haven't uh, experienced before. You know, it's, like I said, it's basically all been about me, my whole career, and now having to think about three other guys, their caddies, you know, the team around us, a physio, a psych. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is basically on my shoulders, which is, you know, it, it's just a different type of pressure again. It's just uh, something that I've never had to just deal schlep, with. Schlep it all off on Leishman. Just be like, hey, guys, we, t- we have to talk. And, and Mark says you got to go. <laughs> Mark, Mark's big daddy. That's, Mark said you got to go. Matt Every has been playing great. Uh, <laughs> hey, wait. I know you were born here, but. <laughs> yeah, we've got Matt a passport. It's, uh, it says Australia on the front of it. But don't open it. Okay. Other than being a stud. <laughs> why do you why do you why do you think you play so well at Augusta? I just like to be creative. I feel like that place is is you have to be so creative and you have to have big balls around there. I I love hitting the right shot. I don't care about the scenario. I want to hit the right shot that's going to give me the best opportunity at making birdie from the tee. And every shot at Augusta counts. Yeah. There's always a shot you have to hit. There's never like a you know, there is a few holes where there's a fairway finder shot or something like that, but there's always a shot that's going to get you in a better spot. You can also play, you can play out of the trees there too. Mm-hmm. There's no low lying limbs. Yeah. No palmetto bushes. Right, right, right. <laughs> it was eye opening to me when I started seeing some of my peers play well there. Like jo- the year Spieth won, Jonas finished second. Jonas at the time was the best chipper in the world. Mm. Okay. You can't really be a digger. I think if you're if you have if you're a shallow chipper there, it's it's there's some separation big time because if you if you don't have good form there, even at that level, you're gonna get exposed. But if you do have good form, you can run the table there. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the shallowing of chipping helps, but you look at a guy like um Spieth. Mm-hmm. He's a digger. Uh he's he's shallower than some. Yeah. He also didn't miss inside of thirty feet for like three years. But it definitely comes down to like, you know, probably seven, eight times around. You've got a stomach up or if you hit the wrong shot, it seems like you're, you're making bogey or double. Yeah. If you don't have the balls to hit, hit it on the right tier or hit it on the right space of the green, all of a sudden you're left with like an 80 footer with 20 foot of break. Yeah. And the greens are lightning. So it's like, what good did that do me? Right. You know, you're just better off just ballsing up. If you miss it, you've got a 10 footer at par most of the time. The year you came second. Your first really big result, I think, uh, on 17, I remember speaking to Pina, who caddies for you, about it. And it was like, Pina was like, okay, you know, yeah. Bussy caddy for me. It was Bussy. It was Bussy. It was Bussy. He said something about like 10 feet left. And he's like, nah, going right at it. Just send it right at it. And, you know, like five feet off, rolls down, tough up and down. I guess at the point, like when the moment presents itself, you are definitely, it feels like you're more comfortable. I love watching you under the pump, dude, because you have some serious dog in you. Maybe Des Smith is the Earl Woods of Australia. Maybe there's some <laughs> Jedi mind tricks going on back in the day around one teamer. You might be. It's like jingle and change. Cam, you suck. So, I mean, you're, you won the 150th Open at St. Andrews. You're, go, you're in the history books forever. How bad do you want to win a green jacket? Yeah, I feel like that's... Do you think you're going to win one? Yep. That is a, that is sick. <laughs> but, I feel like that's 
my next one that I really want to tick off. I usually don't expect much of myself. I'm I'm a very much a process guy. Like Pricey says, like there's no BS when I get out to the range. I tick the boxes, I go home, and then I fish or mow the lawn or something. But that one for me, I think because I've played so well, I genuinely think I've played my best golf around Augusta. It just hasn't lined up. Like, you know, when you win a tournament, you get a lucky bounce or, yeah. you know, the putts just fall in. I genuinely think for like three or four times I've played the best golf I've ever played around Augusta and nothing's just lined up. Yeah, and when it does. So you just keep doing what you're doing. Don't change a thing. Yeah, no, there's nothing to change. It's just, you know, more putts need to go in or. Putts at the right time. A shot needs to come out of the trees or something like. Yeah, it seems like that. For, that's definitely for Augusta. What is the you said you mentioned something about mowing the lawn? Why are all Aussies obsessed with grass lawns? I don't know. I feel like I think more Australians cut their lawn growing up. Depending, irrespective of how poor or wealthy you are, you just cut your own grass because it's a thirty minute exercise. So you just grow up seeing your dad do it, and you're interested in it. And uh, it's like lawn services are not big in Australia, right? You don't like here. They're they're everywhere. Every truck drives past is like a landscaping or a lawn service so just grow up doing it but like Rod Pampling was a was a greenkeeper his lawn's immaculate Leash's is immaculate mine's not but <laughs> <laughs> and we tried Cam did get some synthetic grass right I do in the back I got synthetic in the back you have better fast food we have better lawn care <laughs> checks and balances <laughs> we're catchy <laughs> uh, Cam I wanted to ask about that par you made on the road hole getting back to the 150th that was, I mean, probably one of the best parts I've ever seen in the history of golf. I mean, how what was going through your mind, that whole process coming down the stretch? I mean, you came from behind that day. It was a hell of a round. Yeah. You know, I stood, stood up on that tee. I knew I had the lead, but I wanted to make birdie. I, you know, that's always been my mindset. Birdie as many as we can. I missed that fairway left the whole week. I hit a really good drive down there. Uh, best one of the week by far down that hole. Yeah, and then just hit like probably the worst shot I hit all week. As a second shot, that that second shot there is just so awkward. It like it's so skinny. You have to hit the perfect shot. Where the pin is on Sunday, if you're on the left side of the fairway left, pin is directly behind the bunker. Yeah, I tried. I think I had nine iron in. I tried to hit like a a low draw, get it landing on the front, and just give myself like thirty or forty feet from short of the bunker. And I like club hooked it. It was terrible. And then Sam. Sam, I remember this clearest day, one of the only things I can remember. But Sam, as we were walking up to the green, started talking about the state of origin. And I was like, why are you talking about this? <laughs> like, we've got a one-shot lead in an open. He's talking about the footy that was just played, you know, on Wednesday back home. That's the part of the caddy, the psychologist. Uh, but, yeah, so yeah, so anyway, it, it just calmed me down. And then, you know, we got up there. We spoke about it a bit. It was never really in, in my mind to hit a, a shot over the bunker. Like, that's just silly especially with how firm the fairways were. And then Sam just said, you know, just give yourself a look at it. Don't be silly. Hit it out there right and, you know, give yourself, you know, 15, 20 feet. It's not really a hard shot to do that. To get I to think 15 if, yeah, feet. Yeah. yeah, I think if you try and like ride the bunker and stuff like that, that's when it becomes tricky and that's when you're making like six or seven. As we saw Rory, like the footage came out later on, Rory had the same one years ago, whether it was Dunhill Links or whatever, and just dumped it in the bunker. Yeah, It's just trying to get too cute. Yeah. I yeah, so it was the putter felt good that day. Oh, I mean, you so think? yeah. So I, that's what he said. He said, "Just give yourself your look," and yeah, dude. When it. you were, when you were over that putt, there was zero doubt in my mind you weren't going to make it. <laughs> I'm dead serious. What about when Cam 
Young makes the yeah that was birdie. the eagle on eighteen. Mm, so he's yeah that was a a weird scenario as well because he was you know I was playing good on the back nine. I think we had maybe we both had like one or two under on the front nine, and I just kept making birdies, and he just kind of kept making birdies too, but he just didn't make as many as me. He was only two behind. Were y'all feeding off each other at that point? I think so. I, I get along with Cam pretty good. I've played with him a few times before that. He's a good lad. He's caddy, lives here in Jacksonville, so we, we've we uh, spoke a bunch. It, we we both like the local pub, PVO, uh, so I see him down there a few times. But, yeah, we just had a, we had a really good vibe going in that group, and there was a lot of kind of momentum in that group. When everyone was kind of all over Rory, too, that day, and he was stuck in neutral, basically. Yeah, I feel like that's a, you know, with those last, you know, five or six holes there, they're hard to make birdies on. And when you're just trying to make pars, it's almost even harder. So as good as you guys were playing that back nine, there was like a little chatter. You were like, or was it everyone was game face, back nine, St. Andrews. Yeah, there was definitely less. It wasn't like we were walking down the fairway holding hands, but. That would have been cool if you did. <laughs> Two cams skipping down the fairway. What's the night like before the final round? What did you do? Were you staying with Sam that week? No, we were staying, uh, Sam was in a house. I stayed at the uh, hotel. Night before the final round, I was so pissed at myself because I had the lead on Friday and I felt as though I played really good on, on Saturday. Just nothing went in. So I spent a bit of time on the green with uh, Grant, my coach, and I felt like I was hitting good putts. They just weren't going in, you know, like that happens. So before I went to bed, I just wanted to see some putts go in. You know, this is like 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night. We're, we're out there after media and stuff. and I was there for maybe five minutes, just watching the putts go in, nothing crazy, no technical, nothing changed. It's just, I wanted to see the ball go in. And then I think I was so tired from the day, you know, it's, uh, it was windy. It was a hard day out there, just tired, went back, had room service, went to sleep. Like I, I never have trouble sleeping. I'm, I'm the best sleeper in the world. Isn't it amazing how much a little wind and cold will beat you up at the end of a day? I mean, you're exhausted after a windy, cold day. Speaking of Grant, that was the first time you had worked in person with him for quite a couple of years, right? Yeah, it was about two and a half years since I'd seen Grant. Yeah, so that was, it was awesome. He come the the week before to the Scottish Open. First time we, the whole, I guess, team had been there all together for a long time. So it was good. We did some really good work. And on the weekend at the Scottish Open, I really felt like my game was just kicking in the gear. I think we had two or three weeks off before that. And, you know, you just lose a little bit of that kind of competition, I guess, mojo. On the weekend, I played really good at the Scottish Open and then felt really confident going into the next week. I knew I've played around St. Andrews before. I love the place. I think being from Queensland in the tropics, it's genuinely difficult to play in cold shit weather. So the weather had to be good. I don't think I can mentally get around contending in an open when it's like sideways rain and cold. I, I just don't think I can do that. I don't know. I've, I've just never done it. Yeah. That's interesting. I text Pinner that Sunday night. He loves it. From Warnable. Yeah. Leash is from Warnable down on the South Coast. Really like cold. he loves that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But I text Pinner that Sunday night after Scottish saw the result. And, I, you know, we were all friends, friends of course. And I said, how was it this week? How was the prep heading to the next week? And he doesn't do this often. He doesn't give it. He wrote great. I was like, wow. It was, it was cool because, you know, obviously if you look on paper, the result wasn't a great week. But he was like, like that was the perfect prep. Yeah, you didn't. You weren't competing. You weren't contending. You weren't losing energy because even the week before a major, you see plenty of guys like Phil or someone win the week before. It's still you can't shut it off. I don't. 
amazing. I'm talking about this. I never had to fucking do it except for <laughs> but but he, the week before, if you're content in the Scottish Open, you can't be like, oh, who cares? Your nature is to waste energy and grind it to the win. I know on our our end, 150th open, it is my relationship with Sam, your caddy and Aaron's, and then it's so easy to root for you, man. It really is. And it was so cool to watch you win that. I wear these silly whoop things. My strain was high that day. Yeah, that was uh, that was all time, man. A cool thing, maybe cool for strain, but a cool thing that Cam didn't know until later on, Peter Thompson won five British Open. He had passed two years earlier, and his son Andrew was there watching and had some of Peter Thompson's ashes we'd had for two years. They sprinkled it on the 18th green Sunday morning. Cam shot whatever he shot in the back nine to win. And an Australian won the 100th Australian Open at St. Andrews, Kel Nagel. So that was, I don't know if stars align or whatever, but that, but it was pretty cool. It was, it was made a big deal of in Australia, not, not so much here, but it was pretty cool. Well, Pricey kind of goes viral uh, celebrating with that, that Claret jug. That was fun video to watch. You got Cam in the background shaking up a drink. <laughs> you thirsty whore. You wanted, you wanted that to go viral. I did not post any. My, my Instagram is private, and I did not post that. One of my buddies did. I sent a text, and thanks, nitties. <laughs> oh, you. What was in that? Uh, what were you drinking? That was uh, just because everyone thought it was two beers because it does fit two. That was, uh, I'm going to be honest, that was one 4X goal, but we had just had tequila some Grange, which is the best wine that comes out of Australia, Penfold's Grange. Uh, that thing's been uh, used a lot. It's, it's got its money's worth. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's it's been very cool to do it's it. It's the coolest trophy ever. Like I just took it back down to Australia and it's like when people that love golf and love sport even, they see this trophy that's you know 160 years old or however old it is, that it's like they've seen a ghost. Yeah, it's the coolest reaction. It's the coolest reaction ever. What was the first like interaction you had with your dad after you won? What was that like? Yeah, Des wasn't there. I was texting him the whole time. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, no, it was good. You know, I was in the um, kind of, I guess, the waiting room beside the thing. He was, I rung him first and called mom. And Were you crying? Well, I hadn't won as I was talking to him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, just watching and stuff. So, so it was like a bit like, I guess. I wish I had waited. I think it would have been really cool. But, you know, as soon as everything was done, called him back up and, yeah, he's kicking himself. He didn't come. He was meant to come. And then, like, the week before, he was like, ah, nah, I just don't want to go that far for a week. It's a mission from sure. from Brisbane. It's like 30 hours, so it's not it's not a small trip. Yeah, but he's kicking himself. It's a pretty cool relationship that you guys have. You, you don't see because, you know, you're in it. It's your dad. But, yeah, you know, I don't think there's any D&Ms going on, and how, you know, but there's just – you can see how proud he is, of course, and then so you guys are more like brothers than than than, than father son. It's it's pretty pretty fun relationship to be around. Did he get you into the game? Yeah, dad's a golf nut as well. He plays off. Uh, I think he's like fifty. Better not get this wrong, but I think he's fifty four or fifty five now. He still plays off one. When did you start beating him? Uh, the first time I beat him, I was twelve. I remember this day as clear as day. It's probably still my proudest moment as a golfer. Beating my dad for the first time. <laughs> I don't know because I guess you just grow up playing and then, you know, play, you play around really good players. And I was fortunate that my dad was good and I played with him every time I played pretty much. And yeah, Sunday comp, it was a stroke play at one teamer. I think I had like 68 or 69 off the stickers past 70. So maybe one or two under. And I beat him by a few and it was the quietest car ride 
ever on the way home. Yeah, he did not like it. He is competitive. He's super competitive. So tell us about Australia. So you said you took the Claret Jug down under. I was lucky enough to be there when Adam Scott brought it down in 13, the Masters jacket. I was a kid and saw the, the Greg Norman. Like, how was that? And I haven't really spoken to you about it. Like, it must have been insane because I just know how in awe Australian golfers are. And then, you know, we hadn't won a major since Adam Scott. So how, how was that? Yeah, it was, it was unreal. Busy. I mean, you're like Jesus in Australia. Right now. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know about that, but sort of looks like Jesus a little bit now with the mullet too. <laughs> it was a busy few weeks. I think I got in the week before, and I had a bunch of stuff to do with uh, the juniors and the club at one teamer and stuff, which I'm all happy. I was really happy to do. And then we started up the next week, and we ended up getting paired. But Scotty. Foxy and I are in the first group of the 10th tee on Thursday and at 6 a.m. We don't have daylight saving, so we're off at 6 a.m. on Thursday. Oh, thanks. It's great though. I'm telling you, the sun comes up at 4.10 or something Yeah, that time of year. It's great to be outside at 4.10 and it's warm. It's, it's so good. It's good, but we're at 6 a.m. and we have a line of people down the side of the fairway. It's like Greg Norman days, I'm sure. Daryl. Unbelievable. I'm sure you had Daryl, the security guy with you. He went through Norman and that, like, I'm sure, like, I wish I had been there. It would have been cool to see. That first week for me going back, playing golf in Australia for three years, first time I've been there in three years, yeah, sure, being, yeah. in, being in Brisbane, I'm a member at Royal Queensland, great club, and, uh, yeah, just could not have been better. The whole week was so cool. Did you ever think any of this was going to, like, was this realistic? To, I mean, you came on the scene, what, like 2014 or 15, CIMB, you had a, big term in Malaysia. I'm just talking about like the American eyes that got on you. Yeah. Did you think this was possible at 18? Obviously you did. I mean, you were, dude, when you came on the scene, what was your good finish at CIMB? Like, yeah, I think I finished like third or fourth. I think yeah. it was fifth. But I remember I knew nothing about you and I was just going off of just looking at you. You looked like you were 12. Yeah. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is nuts. And then Chambers Bay. Yeah. Was that like kind of the, okay, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I guess it definitely took me a while longer, I guess, to get used to playing golf over here because it is so much different to at home. But yeah, I think it was definitely after that. I think, you know, obviously the good week in Malaysia was a good springboard. And then the good week in at Chambers Bay was definitely another good you know, confidence booster. But I still didn't really feel like I belonged. Like I basically had no mates. I was hanging out with guys like Pricey. <laughs> and so no but he paid me well oh it's so good but yeah it was it was tough being over here you know I, the first couple of years like that cimb the next year i kind of lived in australia and played over here and then the next year after that i tried to do the same thing it just wasn't really working out i lost my tour card in maybe 15 or 16 had to go back to web finals and then i decided to just move over here i was just like i just got to bite the bullet and and yeah. do it and it's the best thing i've ever done for my golf but there's a lot of sacrifice involved in that as well. Like for, being, the, for the record, I was the landlord. Yeah, Pricey was my he first was, landlord. He was the tenant. Lots changed since then. <laughs> yeah, so it was a big decision, but best thing I've ever done for my golf and my career, it's been, and I love living in Jacks. It's such a cool spot. It really is. The people are so chill. They, you know, it reminds me a lot of Brisbane, like a lot of uh, kind of those rednecks getting around and just genuine down-to-earth people, like just awesome spot to be not a plug but like it's got to be the most relaxed part of the east coast if you go all the way down like Samana and that's a bit country 
Uh, Daytona, where you're from, a little bit too many rednecks. <laughs> but Jacksonville's like California. Jacksonville's the closest to California, I think. I agree. The beach towns for sure. It's awesome. I'm right there with you, Cam. I think the second best decision you made was carving in that mullet. That <laughs> really has. I have a video of the, the last time I was in the front yard when you're on that pony. We won't show it. But then that was when you decided. How did it come up? How did you? Just, okay, I'm just wearing COVID. I'm not going to cut my hair. Yeah, it was just. It was just a joke, really. I The rugby league had started back up while we were still in lockdown over here, and they were still playing some sport. So that's all I had basically to watch was sport back in Australia, and I saw a few of the boys back there that were sporting the mullet, and then I just had didn't go to a barber, and, and then I just thought it would be funny one day to shave off the sides. Like the first time I, I did it, I looked like a menace. It was the most disgusting thing you've ever seen. Whereas now I feel like it's a little bit more it's mature. A, it's a well manicured. Mark. Yeah, it's mature now. Originally, Mark Leishman was uh, Cam's barber. Now, now we've moved <laughs> on to an- another golf name. Give him a plug. Uh, the guy that cuts basically all our hair, Lee Trevino. Not the Merry Max, but uh, a good but close, a good friend of ours. Yeah, yeah. He's a legend. Yeah, he's but yeah, awesome. He is Merry. So you wanted to? He said, uh, "I think Cam." I said, "I'll trade up." But it's got to be a golf name. So we got Lee Trevino on his birth certificate, but nah. But it's it's been. Right, like, like now it's part of your brand, really. I don't, it sounds like a knob to say it, but you, you are, you're a successful guy, you're a CEO. you like, you have a brand and it's a big part of your brand. Yeah, it's, I think I've played some pretty good golf from there too. So it's, yeah. it'd be hard for me to really cut it off. I, I don't know. What's the, uh, there's like, there's another ancient dude or whatever that cut off his hair or something. Bud, yeah, Bud Pearson. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Samson from the Bible. I don't know. Grew his hair out. Yeah. Strong dude. Once he <laughs> cut it, he lost all of his mojo. So so Bud doesn't want you to cut it because Bud's reading the Bible. <laughs> but yeah, why? Why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Not that you don't sound like a superstitious person at all, but many golfers are. But why not? Yeah, I, I don't think I can get rid You'll of it. You'll go back to looking like you're 12 again if you cut it. Yeah, I know. Baby face. That's a good thing. Trust me. I feel like I look like I'm 60 these days. So you don't see yourself leaving Jack's like here? I love it. What about ever moving back to Australia? Later on, maybe? Yeah, maybe potentially. Uh, I think definitely while I'm playing golf, I feel as so, though, you know, like I said before, I feel as so though I have to be here. It's just nice to, you know, it's hard for me to work at home because I've got all the boys I grew up with. Everyone wants to go have a beer every afternoon and there's just no process. That doesn't turn into one beer. Yeah. Well, it's just easy for me to do my job, do it properly, be the best golfer I can. And I feel like if I do that properly for years to come, I'll end my career shorter and then I can, you know, really enjoy that time in Australia. Yeah. So splitting time. I'd love to spend more time there a hundred percent. And that's, that's uh. and now you have that, you have that ability with, you know, smaller schedule and mm. you're down there for a month. You're going back again for Christmas. So what's your next event? Next event's the Saudi international, the uh, first week of February. Okay. So you got, you got a little, little time off. Yeah. Uh, so heading back down to uh, Australia for Christmas, New Year's, come back here kind of mid-January and go over there and then live starts up, I think, uh, towards the end of February. So, Have you heard anything from Augusta? No. Really? Let me tell you my take on it. I hope they treat it as a individual cases. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, sir. Dustin and Cam, you know, you've been quiet through all this. You guys come play. Bubba, Sergio, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. I, I get it. I think as the whole debate comes out, uh, I think Matt Janella put something out the other day that as it goes on and on, do you want to have the best field or do you not? 
Oh, yeah, no. And no. even with the world rankings too, and I don't want to get into this, but it's going to seem weird when certain guys are playing and winning a lot, and yet, like, they're sliding. Like, I think Kepka's outside the 50. DJ is 40. It's like, yeah, DJ is not the 40th best player in the world. No. Yeah, but there's no. criteria you need to meet to get the points. I'm just saying, guys, it's not rocket science. Work it out. Yeah, this, they should be able to work this. But they're not. They're playing Democrat and Republican, which sucks. They just need to work it out. Yeah, they never thought the game could be as divisive as it is yeah, now. And it's already cooled down, I think. it's We're on good track. Enough about that. What about, uh, I want to ask questions, just I think like we are not, but a lot of the interesting golf are technical. With, so my whole thing is with the way golf's changed is track man. I think kids at 12 and 13 and 14, we were taught to swing smooth, find your swing. Now they're just taught to rip it like post tiger. How much stuff are you doing with track man and Grant? Do you just send the numbers to Grant and he looks at it? You don't do track man ever or just when needed? I think TrackMan's a great tool to create a feel. I think a lot of people think that it's getting rid of feel in the game. I think it's great to feel what you're feeling, whether it's a, a swing thought or you know a posture change or something, and then get a number off it to then create that feel, and then you know you feel confident and yeah. So it gives you instant feedback. Like okay, I feel this, but it doesn't work out on TrackMan. If I do this, it works. Is it? I thought it, of that way. Are you using it every time you're like having a, a session on the range? I would say like 50% of the time. I, I'm not a massive uh, numbers nerd. Like, I, you know, I, basically all I want to know as a player, and same goes with Sam as well, is how far is the ball going? You know, a fade goes, whatever. Which changes week to week, you know, in, in Jeddah. But when the technical stuff is, is off, I think it's a great way, it's a great tool to have to create the feel and to get back to, you know, you kind of stock standard number. Have you done any of that gears stuff? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I changed. We didn't do any kind of technical changes. You know, I, I don't think it would be weird for me to say this, but the driver's by far probably the worst club in my bag. I feel comfortable with it, but for some reason it just doesn't want to play up. It, it always plays up. I think throughout the year probably about... Yeah, but you, clarify, you're not a bad driver of the ball. You're not. It's just not as good as, as you are from 100 or from chipping over a bunch. Yeah, I mean, it's not horrendous, but I'd love to hit it. You know, for me, I think, yeah. That's my next thing into being a better player is kind of maintaining all this stuff and then just trying to make, just basically trying to hit more fairways. I don't care if I hit it further. I don't want to hit it further. I want to be hitting from the short stuff. But the crazy thing is, is to go from where you are now to being like, not Fred Funk, but like, yeah, 12th in fairways hit, it's like four or 5%. It's so minimal. It's crazy. Yeah. Yes. To get back to your gears question, we did a bunch of work with driver, kind of different layouts setups with the driver different shafts and we come up with something that's it's definitely a better um fit for me but i think there's still a lot of work to be done there to make me a better player yeah that's good though that keeps you engaged keeps you thinking about stuff which i think is important if everything's good it's i think it's easy to go oh, everything's great if you i heard jim furick or someone say something or maybe targets like i can win more with my b plus a minus game than i can my a plus if there's something you, you're always engaged, if you're fearful of a shot at a time, you just stay so engaged. But if you're just nutting it, something always seems to happen and you don't win. It's like when you're striping it on the range for a round. It's like, well, it's only going to go down from yeah. here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Some of my worst years were my best range years. Yeah. But I think that's cool. I think the persona that may be given off, which you know, it's not yours, it's, it's other people's to judge. It's like, you don't do that stuff, but you do use track, man. You use the gears. You're pretty religious. In the gym, especially in off season, you, know, you have the two Knicks 
monitoring all your stuff. So it's not like this guy's just doing nothing. You know, behind closed doors doesn't broadcast much of it, which is rare these days in social media, which I think is which is awesome. Which is why I think honestly, like if you have a scale of, of likability, Cam is at the hundred because you know I'm not saying to not put stuff out there, but if you do put stuff out there, even if it's like, hey, I just cured cancer, some other side's gonna be, oh, well, now all the doctors are going. Like, this is a weird tangent, but <laughs> I love this shit. This is so good. It's all the time. But you're gonna lose someone because people just want to argue. So Cam does it quietly, doesn't ask for anything. It's very good to his friends, and that's why I think that you start from a hundred because you don't putting out there. You're not looking for, hey, look how hard I'm working. It's like, no, I'm, yeah, you're very secure inwardly. I don't need to prove any anything to anyone. But I said that I compared it to one, I think uh, maybe Evan or someone asked me for some, one of the interviews and I was like, well, he's not going to be outwardly confident. He's he's the opposite. He's inwardly confident. He doesn't need to go out. A lot of people that are telling you what they're doing, it's like a mask because they're not inwardly secure. Insecurity. Not Dr. Philippe. <laughs> but it's like you watch it, it's the opposite. He's not going to tell anyone anything. Maybe it's after a few Forex golds maybe, but. No, but it's, it's true and it's cool to see. And that's where I think you are one of the most likable guys to play golf. Yeah, that inward confidence is a uh, is a secret weapon right there. I mean, mm. it is, but you can also see it when you play, dude. I see it all the time. I see it when I'm getting money out of my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always felt like I've never really needed to prove anything to anyone other than myself. Like if, if I'm happy with what I what I'm doing and... I know that I'm waking up every morning trying to make myself the best person and the best golfer, then I'm the happiest man in the world. That's pretty cool. So what's our goals next year? What, what do we got before we get you out of here? You know, I think that team championship's got to be high. You guys were so close this year. Yeah, that was that was a really cool event. I think I just got to keep, you know, I'm, I've never been one to say, I feel like I need to win three times this year because last year I won once or twice. I've never been that type of person. I think, you know, just kind of spill it again, but I've always been that process type of person. If I can tick boxes and I feel like the team kind of around me is, they're all the best. They're the best at what they do. Got a really good blueprint of what works now and, and what kind of doesn't. I think that takes time through years, but I think we just got to keep doing what we're doing. The blueprint is fantastic. Just make it just a little bit better. You know, just work that 1% extra do the extras in the gym, go for a run when you're feeling like shit. Just stuff like that, I think, really just makes, and it builds confidence within as well. You know, you're like, I've done the work. Let's just go out there and play. Uh, that's always been my philosophy. Someone said that. It's not like greatness is, a, is the amount of shortcuts you don't take. I, I don't know. He's like a full, he's like Dr. Phil today. <laughs> uh, be, that, that would be more Yoda. That would be more Yoda. It's every day. But, uh, it, uh, but I think it's true, and especially when you're not broadcasting too, and you suck some of these guys, which I understand there's a monetary unit to broadcasting stuff, it puts pressure on yourself. So I mean, I think, Cam, the guy wins one member guest. And just, yeah, I know. You know? Cam, I was hoping you were going to say win. The that was the first time I've broken 70 in three months. So you say win the uh, Kingfish tournament. That was, uh, yeah, but. Definitely one of my goals is to get out and, and compete more in fishing. I'm, I'm a competitive person. I love fishing. What's your favorite kind of fishing? I really like inshore fishing, like red fishing. We do go offshore a fair bit and I love that stuff too, but I love it when you can like see something and you're like, I have to get that. Like that fish is mine. I know that feeling. Yeah. So, hey, I've been in the boat with you before on some of these inshore yeah. uh, excursions. Do you have any regard for the other people's lives when you drive the boat through like one foot of water, like it's Tokyo Drift? Eh. Well, 
I like to go fast too. I don't think that's the secret, but. Are you really good at it? Well, that's the only way to get into some of the creeks. Like if you go slow, you bottom out and you're, you're done. Then you're not fishing. I'd rather be fishing. It's like going for that pin on 17 on Sunday at Sawgrass. You got to go for it. If you go left, you're probably going to three putt. You just got to yeah. let him hang sometimes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right, Cam. Thanks for coming in, bro. That was awesome. Thank you. You're the best. Cheers, guys.